toes. Let's do it. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never dries. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more.
everyone. Welcome to Disciples House. Good morning. Oh, crickets. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, please be seated. We'll do the announcements. Uh, I'm, I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad I'm here this morning. Yeah, amen, I'm amen. excited and ready to yeah. hear the Word of God. My feet are doing a little jig over here. Well, <laughs> with one well, shoe. Yeah, with, with one, one shoe. shoe. <laughs> All right. So uh, be sure to join us uh, for these uh, for the powerful meetings that yeah. are coming. Reverend Larry and Angela Keaton are coming. They'll be here Friday at 7 p.m., Saturday at 10 a.m., Saturday at 7 p.m., Sunday at 10 a.m., and Sunday at 6 p.m. It's going to be good meetings. So the Keaton's assignment is to help prepare the church in America for the greatest revival in its history. Their, their message includes faith in God's word, along with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, and they operate in the gifts of healing as well. All right, so be here, and it's going to be great. And come expecting. Expecting to receive, expecting to hear from God, expecting to get a word just for you, and you will receive it. All right, so upcoming events. June 3rd, we're going to have prayer for the nation at 8 a.m., because Lord knows the nation needs prayer. And... Uh, we're going to be faithful and, and just to do that on a regular basis because it does help. Yep. All right. And let's see. June 10th, we're going to have our water baptism and cookout. That's, that's going to be good. We've got five people so far that have said they want to get baptized, so that's going to be awesome. All right. And then uh, June 18th is, is Father's Day, of course, so uh, remember your fathers. And then June 26th through the 30th is Generation Life Youth Camp. So it's going to be a busy month, June is. Lots to do. All right. Uh, and then there's more details about the baptism and cookout uh, in the bulletin, so please read that. And then our, we're on to our meditation for the week. So our In Him meditation tells us who we are in God, and, and we, we speak it. We speak the scripture, and then we say a confession so that we, we, we get that down on the inside of us. And it's not just for here on Sunday morning. It's for throughout the week. So take this with you. All right. So our in hymn for this week is 1 John 4.4 4, out of the King James Version. And it says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Praise God. All right, so our confession, Jesus is greater than Satan. I am a child of God because Jesus is in me. 
Jesus lives in me, therefore, I have overcome, and Satan has no hold on me. Praise God. All right. So our healing scripture for this week is Galatians 3.13. And you know you want to meditate on your healing scriptures before you need them. Because when you need them, you need them. All right. All right, so our healing scripture is Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And we know that Christ did hang on the tree for us. All right, so our confession, Christ was cursed for me by being hung on a tree. Therefore, I have been redeemed from the curse of sickness and death. Praise God. Well, thank you, Lord, for your many blessings and for preparing a way for us. Lord, we love you, and we come before you to learn of you and to become more like you. Lord, we ask that you lead and guide us, that you that you give Pastor Robbie and I the words that need to be spoken that are just right for those that are here now and those that are listening online, the words that will help them to grow, to help them to see your love and to bring it into their own lives so that they can, they can walk in your way and that they can love others as, as they have been loved by you. Lord, we just know that you are an amazing God and that you have done all things for us and we stand in our trust and our love in you. All things are taken care of and we don't have to worry and we don't have to fear and you provide for us and you you provide healing and you provide salvation and you provide baptism. Lord, we just love you and we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for all you do for us and the things that, that we see and the things that we never see because you head them off before they ever even get close to us. You know our needs, Lord, and you provide for them daily. We thank you for that daily. Lord, we just love you. And we thank you for the ability to rebuke the devourer in your name. Satan, we bind you in Jesus' name. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. This word will fall on good ground, and it will grow and bear fruit in their lives. And they will pass that fruit on to those they come in contact with. They will spread the word of the gospel. They will spread the good news that Jesus is Lord and that he loves us and that he wants the best for us and that he has a plan for us. Lord, we just thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Derek, our church confession. Say it like you mean it, darn it. All right. I can do that. I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin, quickened to life. And saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead with him. I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am the workman of God. 
I am the workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer and I am greater. I grieve, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as a king in this life. I can do all things in and through Christ. Oh, I am near to God, the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet Everybody's excited. <laughs> I'm not on. I'm not on. And could we have the board, please? <laughs> no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
say thank you. We say we wait for you. We wait for you, Holy Spirit. Come, fill this house as we stay in a spirit of reverence. One, two, three, four, Praise 
above all the Holy Ghost. Raise your hands and just let the Lord talk to you. And the reason you raise your hands is just to surrender it to God, the love to God. Sound like that? Does sound like it. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory. Just take a deep breath. Just rest in the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. That's on now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Now, Father, I couldn't get away from it. All I could hear was you talking to me about Miss Liv here. And, Father, I heard in your spirit, I heard you say in the spirit, my daughter, you have walked in the world. You have walked and done some things in the world, and you've tasted of the goodness of Satan, so to speak, the joys and the pleasures of sin, but you've also tasted of the evil that comes from it. You've tasted of the sorrows, the griefs, the shame, the guilt. But daughter, I've seen your tears and I've heard your heart and I've heard your prayers and I've heard you calling to me in the dark places. And, father, and, and daughter, I'm going to do a work in you. I'm going to do a, a quick work in you. I'm going to do a quick work because I heard your prayers and I heard you say, Father, I'm turning to you. Father, I don't want the path that my family has walked. I don't want to go the way that my family has gone. Father, I want my life to look different. I want my life to mean something. I don't want to continue in the hurts and the pains. And so, daughter, I'm going to do a quick work in you. And what you think is just getting prepared for a season is actually getting prepared for a lifetime with me. So if you'll, as you'll do your part, I'll do my part. And I'm imparting into you, and I'm placing my fire into your belly right now. And Father, uh, I hear the Father say, 
it's going to burn like a wildfire on the inside. You're going to be like Jeremiah and say, there's a fire that's shut up in my bones and I can't keep my mouth shut. And as you yield to that, because it won't take you over and control you like the devil. I'm a gentleman, says the Lord. But as you yield to that fire, I'll do a work in you. I'll use you in this day and in this hour to bring your generation and even your family back to me. Now do your part, and I'll do mine. You're not going to just walk with me for a season. You've got to make the decision to walk with me for life. And as you do, you'll see the goodness of my, of my you'll see my goodness, says the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Just do your part, and God will do the rest. Oops, sorry. <laughs> Glory to God. Just slap her, why don't you? Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Glory, glory, glory. Glory and honor. Glory and honor. Miss Bridget, come here, honey. Glory and honor. Glory and honor. Barefoot and all. Thank you, Father. <laughs> ah, the, the, feet, the feet of the, 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 those that carry the gospel, their feet are blessed. Father, Miss Bridget, you're about to walk into a new season. And yes, the path of motherhood that you've been on is changing. But that doesn't mean your time as mom is gone and done. She still needs you, says the Lord, even if at times she thinks she doesn't. She still needs you. You'll still mother her. It'll just look different. But I've called you to also be a spiritual mom to others. And I'm placing things in you, and I'm imparting things into you. And so do, so do not stress. Do not fear. In fact, when those thoughts come on you, they come to you, just, just say out of your mouth, Nope, I give that to the Lord. Nope, I give that to the Lord. There's going to be times and seasons. I don't think I've ever said this to an adult. There's going to be times and seasons that you're just going to have to say, Brain, shut up in Jesus' name. I'm not thinking that way. I'm not going that way. I'm in the palm of the Father's hands, and I refuse to carry the care. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Miss Judy, come here, honey. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, I hear you saying, Daughter, I've called you to this house, and you know it in your heart. And yes, you're being dutiful to your husband, and you're showing him my love. And it is right and it is proper to do so. But you must maintain what I've placed in your heart. You must maintain it. You must stay connected, says the Lord. Now, that's not me saying that, Miss Judy. You need to know that. But you must stay connected. Because these pastors know and understand what's occurring. They know what's operating behind the scenes. And they know that your heart is breaking in a sense, but that you are doing what you need to do to see that your husband sees the goodness of God. 
So, though I don't want you pulled from the place that I have placed you, I understand it, says the Lord. But I need you to make a commitment in your heart that you'll stay connected. Don't think, well, I'll just find a new pastor in the new place. Yes, you'll have a church. Yes, you'll have a pastor there. But your heart is connected here. And so I need you to maintain that, says the Lord. And I'll work with this situation. I'll bless it as far as I can bless it. But I'll, and I'll always be with you. And know that you're under the protection of pastors. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We do not release her. Thank you, Father. We release her as far as we have to. But, Father, we hold on to her in the Spirit. For we know that there's no distance in the Spirit. And we hold on to that. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We've got you right there in the Spirit. We've got you in the Spirit. We're going to maintain it in the Spirit. You're going to be okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Let's just praise the Lord reverently. Oh, Pastor Mike's got more to say. Miss Lou, the Lord says, follow me and I'll heal your brokenness. Follow me and I'll guide your steps. Trust in me and I will provide for you. Walk with me, and your very steps will be, they'll be, they'll be in the right place at the right time. You'll always be in the right place at the right time. And in, in your hands will rest my power. Yep. That's right. For the doing of my work. Trust in me, and I'll always be with you. I'll never forsake you and I'll never leave you. You'll never be alone and you'll never be without love and you'll never be without without your every need met. I love you, says the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Just being obedient. What's happening? We're being obedient to the Father. We're being obedient to the Lord. We're doing what the Lord has called us to do and told us to do. Normally I call people up, but the Lord said to go to this person. Brother Steve, may I hold your hands? Father, we anoint our brother Steve. Father, we thank you for opening his heart and opening his mind to you. We thank you for hearing our prayers through the years and answering them. And Father... We know that, that COVID has not yet released him completely. And we know that there's some issues with some tendons and ligaments in the hip. And so, Father, when I pray for healing, I always pray for the miracle. I always believe for the miracle because you are the creative God. You're the God who there is nothing too hard for you. You are the great physician. So, Father, I ask that you go to work right now in Steve's body. And I receive healing by faith for him. Father, I thank you that COVID is completely broken off of his body. And the fatigue that he battles is gone once and for all. 
and will never return in Jesus' name. And I command those ligaments that are torn to be stitched back together in the spirit and manifested in the natural. And Father, I thank you that the next time that they do a scan, they'll say, we don't understand it. We don't understand how it's possible. Oh, but he'll just laugh and laugh and laugh because he'll say, I know what happened. The great physician stitched me back together. And Father, I thank you that even though perhaps there's not a feeling in, oh, oh, ah, oh, nanande, oh, nanande, there it is. Oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. Oh, the healing power of God flowing to every cell of the body. Oh, rande, asati. Father, no matter what the body says from this day forward, we know that the miracle has taken place. We thank you, Lord. There'll be no need for surgery. We declare it. We decree it. And we command it to be so in Jesus' mighty name. No need. No need for surgery in Jesus' name. Glory, glory, glory. Oh, man. Oof. I'm just going to hold on. Because the Lord just, I just can't let go. The Lord's working. I'm just going to hold on. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Yes, Lord, we release that anointing. We release that power. Oh, we release that healing anointing and that healing power. Flowing, flowing, flowing. From the tips of the toes to the top of the head. No depression either in Jesus' name. We break that spirit of depression in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Completely whole, completely healed, completely well. In Jesus' name. Man, your hands are going to smell good now. <laughs> Anointed. Thank you, Father. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You got anything else? Yes and no. <laughs> you lead. It's all right. I don't think it's for now. Okay. Let's just worship the Lord one more with one more song. Let's just worship Him. Just worship Him and thank Him for that that was done. Let's just worship. Oh, let's just worship. Thank you, Father. Let's just worship the Lord. Thank you, Father. You are I worship you. 
we thank you that when we ask and when we command, Father God, in the name of your son Jesus, that you hear us and you answer our requests and our prayers and our commandments. And we give you honor and glory for you are the wonderful way maker. And Father, we give you all the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' mighty name. You may be seated. Miss Kathy, I would like for you to share your testimony about your shoes. Um, Pastor Robbie um, and Pastor Mike prayed over me. But if you remember, they specifically prayed over my shoes. And they're down on their knees uh, praying. And I, uh, I thought, oh, well, you know, um, I thought this, this is weird. This I, is know, weird. I, I, weird. I felt uncomfortable with them on their knees in front of me. But um, they did, and they, they followed the Holy Spirit. Um, so when I was hiking, um, towards about uh, 70% through my trip, I had no tread left on my shoes, none, zero, zippo. And, and my foot was starting to break out the side from all the uneven rocks. And I had to go over these cliffs and down was like, um, I don't know, 100, 200 feet dead. Dead was down. Down was dead. And um, these rocks are, most of the rocks over there are limestone, so they break away. Okay, And they had these rebar poles, and you had to like three points, right? So you had to go from post to post, and sometimes there wasn't. That's why they prayed over my shoes, because I was able to do that. And that wasn't 10 feet. That was a mile, Steve, a mile of that. Um, I couldn't have done it without the Holy Spirit because I had no tread on my shoes left. So then, you know, so so now that I get 70% through, and we come to, I believe it was Tiberius, uh, the town we were in, and, and the hostel was in the middle of the city square. So my hiking partner and I are walking around, and she goes, i got to get new shoes, right? Because uh, her shoes were worn out too. And we came to a place and trying on shoes, and the Holy Spirit says, checked me, and he says, what are you doing? I didn't need new shoes. My shoes were anointed. My shoes were blessed with no tread and, and you know, coming out apart. Um, they, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, kept me safe. Um, in fact, I ditched them. I, they didn't even make the plane ride home. There was nothing left to, <laughs> to save. So I should have brought them for the witness, but uh, you have to take my word for it. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen her shoes after hikes here, and so when she says they were dead and there's no there was nothing left. I can only imagine yeah. how dead these shoes were. Um, but, you know, like, like, like she said, it was uncomfortable when we prayed because I said, I've never done anything like this. I don't understand this. I don't get it. And I drenched my hands and my uncle's hands in oil. And I said, and, and she gets really nice. I mean, she gets, not only are they good and they're for, good for hiking, but they're fashionable too. You know, they're bright colors and they're nice. And I thought, I'm going to get oil all over these shoes, but okay, Lord. And so down we went, and we laid our hands on our shoes and, and uh, prayed over them. And you think, man, God, this is crazy stuff. But how much you know God knows what he's doing? How much you know God knows what he's doing? When Jesus, spoke to, the, when Jesus spoke to the fig tree, how much you know his disciples went, what? Why are you talking to the ants to the fig tree? Uh, when, when Jesus uh, uh, spat in the blind man's face, and then stuck his hands in his own spit on his face. How much, you know, the disciples went, what? <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Gross, Jesus. What did you do that for? <laughs> uh, 
but sometimes Jesus does th- the Father God does things that we don't expect him to do, uh, but there's always a purpose behind it. Amen. And the and the anointing oil is I'll tell you what it is it's I mean it's it's really good great it's the high quality stuff uh, olive oil and it's and and we add some frankincense and some myrrh oil to it good grade um, but that's all it is uh, so really does it do a whole lot no not really a whole lot but it's what it represents and the oil represents the anointing or the power of God mm-hmm. and. Uh, and so when we, when we anoint things or people with oil, what we're doing is we're saying, God, uh, your power, your anointing, your, your power needs to be here. And so that's the purpose for that. Uh, this morning we're going to continue on our series about baptisms and the baptisms that are available today. This should be our third and final week on baptisms. Man, I'm going to have to preach fast. Uh, you're going to have to listen quick. You're going to have to listen quick, um, but we're going to go into these and just kind of review a couple of points, and then we'll talk about, um, I, w- I want to show a couple of places um, where they were doing water baptisms in the New Testament after Jesus, uh, uh, while Jesus walked the earth and after Jesus ascended, and you'll see in every one of these accounts that they're in a public place. You'll see that they're in a public place, but let's pray. Um, and then we'll dive right in and uh, go from there. Lord, thank you for being with us. Thank you for leading and guiding us and giving us the words that need to be spoken. Lord, we trust in you. and We speak with boldness. We speak your word. And Lord, it falls on good ground, well prepared and ready for the receiving of your word. It will grow and bear fruit in our lives and the lives of those we come in contact with. Lord, we just thank you for being here with us. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Just review, the word baptism uh, comes from the word baptizo, baptizo. Um, And this word baptizo means to dip repeatedly, to immerse, to submerge, to cleanse by dipping or submerging, to wash, to make clean with water, or to bathe, or to overwhelm. And I said last week, you know, when you fill up your sink with water, and, and you're getting ready to do your dishes, you're baptizing your dishes, what are you doing? You're dipping them repeatedly in water, and you're putting through them through the washing process to, to change them from being dirty dishes to clean dishes. And sometimes we tend to think of the word a little too holy, and we fail to see the simplicity of God. Um, and, and basically what baptism means is to be dipped repeatedly until change comes. This word baptizo actually comes from the word bapto, B-A-P-T-O, the Hebrew word bapto, which means to dip or dip in or immerse, uh, to, literally to immerse any of these things into dye. In other words, you're dipping into something that's going to bring a permanent change. Um, And that's what baptism is, is it's a dipping into the things of God so that it brings a permanent change to your life. Amen. Uh, Let's look at, uh, we looked at in our series, we've looked at Matthew 3, verse 7, but I want to, and you'll see the same account in Mark 
chapter 1, verse 4, but I want to look at Luke's account uh, real quick here, Luke 3, Luke 3, um, because I just like the way that Luke records this. Um, you know, Luke was the physician of the group, and um, uh, Luke was the physician, and uh, therefore Luke tends uh, to give us some details. Luke tends to give us some details, and so let's look at Luke 1, chapter 3, verse 1, and we'll read to verse 3. Luke 1, 3. I mean, I'm sorry, Luke 3, 1, Luke 3, 1, and then uh, we'll go to verse 3. All right. Now, in the fifth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, and Herod, being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother, Philip, tetrarch of Ituria, and of the region of Trachionis, Onidus, and Lysantius, the tetrarch of Abilene. So the reason I let him do the reading. Anias and Caf... Oh, boy. Caf... Caphias. Caphias? Sounds good. Okay. Being the high priest, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he came unto all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. In verse 2 where it says the word, that word in the original Greek uh, was the word rhema. The word rhema. So really we could read it this way. Um, it says being the high priest, the Spirit spoken word, which is what the word rhema means, the spirit spoken word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. See, John was in the wilderness uh, and he was seeking the Lord. He was fasting and praying. He was fasting and praying and he was seeking the Lord for his assignment. When you go back and you read about uh, John's. Um, conception and birth you find out that John that Zachariah and Elizabeth were elder uh, they were past the childbearing ages and Elizabeth was barren and Zachariah was a priest in the temple of God uh, and it was his job to go in and do the incense and take care of the day-to-days in the temple and uh, and they did this on a rotation and well, it was his rotation so he was gone at the temple and the angel of the Lord came and spoke to him and said, uh, your wife's going to have a child. And uh, you're going to name your child John. Um, and he has this set assignment from God. And he's going to uh, be blessed by God. And he's going to be preparing the way for the, for the Messiah. And uh, Zechariah apparently had a problem with running his mouth and saying the wrong things. Because the angel, uh, because Zachariah spoke doubt onto the angel. Now, angels do have a degree of spiritual power. And the angel struck uh, Zachariah dumb, in other words, unable to speak, until such time as John was born. Um, in fact, not only did John get, was, not only was John born, but it was customary that they did not name the babies until their eighth day of life. 
And it wasn't until the day of naming that John was able to, that uh, Zechariah was able to speak. And what Zechariah finally spoke, he actually had to write out on a board because everybody wanted to name, and this is customary, um, especially in their day, they wanted to name the firstborn son after Zechariah. They wanted to name this, they wanted to name him Zechariah. And uh, Elizabeth said, no, his name's going to be John. She was obedient unto the Lord. And, uh, but they were all, you know, all the aunties and grannies and cousins and everybody was there and they were pressuring her. And so finally somebody got smart and said, Zachariah, uh, she's not going to name him, name him after you. Aren't you upset about this is essentially what they said. And he motioned for a writing board and he wrote on the writing board, his name is to be John. His name is to be John. And when he said that his tongue was loosed and he prophesied, that John would make way or make ready a people for the coming of Christ. So even though Zechariah and um, Elizabeth knew John's assignment, John was a baby and John didn't know his assignment. So John was in the desert, the wilderness. He was in the desert. He was fasting and he was seeking the Lord for his assignment, for his assignment. Uh, and honestly, we all need to seek the Lord for our assignments. You know, God has an assignment for each and every one of us. We've got quite a few younger people in the, in, in, that, are, that are into their adult years and kind of trying to figure out the path for their life. And there's a lot of pressure on people, especially on young people. I don't understand. I truly don't understand why the schools think that it's important to tell a sixth grader they need to figure out what they're going to do for the rest of their life. They don't even know who they are. Good gravy, how are they going to know? And most of them don't even know the Lord Jesus who has a plan and a purpose for their life. Amen. Uh, but how much you know we all need? I didn't find my plan or my purpose until I was in my late 20s. Uh, and, I mean, I tried a whole bunch of different things and nothing settled. Uh, so if you want to be settled in your life, young people, pray and seek God. Older people, if, you, if you're in a, because there's several people in here that are in a transitioning stage of life, uh, seek God because God still has a plan and a purpose for you at the age that you are now. Amen. And so that's what John was doing was John was seeking the Lord. And it says uh, that the word, the rhema, the spirit spoken word of God came onto John. Now, it doesn't notice it doesn't say John the Baptist. It says John, the son of Zechariah, because that's how you were recognized in their day um, is by your family. That's why you get your parents' last name. There's, technically, technically, according to the Bible, you're supposed to get your father's family name. That's what you're supposed to do, according to the word of God. That's what you're supposed to have. Uh, now, I didn't understand that at one point, and I got rid of mine, but, I, but okay, so, but I understand it now. So, um, but you're supposed to have your father's last name, or your father's name. So he was known as John of Zacharias. That's what he was known of, known as, John of Zacharias. And uh, it says that he was in the wilderness, which indicates that he was in the hidden place. He was off by himself. Seeking, okay, God, what am I supposed to do? I mean, my parents have said God has a plan for your life, but uh, God, I need you to tell me my plan. Look at the next verse, verse 3. And he came unto all the country about Jordan, 
preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. So obviously the word of the Lord that came to him was John, go about all of the country of Jordan, go where the Jews are centered and baptize them of repentance for the remission of sins. In other words, God was, now these two words, repentance and remission, are two very different words. The word repentance deals with a changing of the mind, a changing of your approach to life, changing the direction that you're going. The word repent means change. The word remission means to wash clean, to wash clean. So these are two very different things. So in John's day, they had to change the direction of their life. They had to change their thinking according to how they were living. They had to change so that they could receive a washing away of their sins. The same is true for us today. See, in the old, and why this is so important is because in the Old Testament, their sin could not be washed. The sin could only be covered. The sin could only be covered. So this is God initiating and saying, uh, the way we do things is changing, is changing. And so uh, there's a change that comes. Uh, so pre so, But notice he was baptizing, not for repentance, he was baptizing for remission. How did they get remission? By, they got remission by repentance. How do you get remission today? By repentance and receiving Christ. Because when you're out in the world, when you're choosing to do wrong, when you're choosing to live whichever way you want to live, and then you realize, man, this is causing a lot of, I mean, yeah, we have some fun times. I mean, here's the deal, church. You can't say, you cannot, you will lead people into confusion and destruction if you do not admit that sin in the moment is pleasurable. You will lead them into destruction. Because what? Because the biggest trap that Satan has is people go, oh, you don't want to do that. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. You'll have a bad experience. But they try it, and they have a good, fun experience, and then they go, well, I've been lied to my whole life. And they go deeper and deeper and deeper into this thing. No, we have to be honest. We have to be truthful. Um, let's be honest. In the moment when you have something to drink or some chemical drug or something and it causes your body to relax, in the moment you don't care about all your pains and your woes. In the moment it feels nice. In the moment it's okay. But how much do you know you can push that thing and that moment can go from feeling okay to not feeling good at all and knowing you're fixing to die. In the moment, it feels okay, but then when you come out of the moment, you realize that you've done things that you would have never done had you not done those things. And now you feel guilt, and now you feel shame, and now the devil is beating you over the head with how poorly you behaved and how dirty you are and all of these things. In the moment, it was good, but the aftermath is not good. We need to be honest about this. So that when our people, when, when people experience, they go, well, they were right. It was good in the moment, but man, it's not good afterwards. Uh, maybe I don't want to play with this after all. What are they doing? They're learning that, hey, something needs to change. Something needs to change. 
uh, and, and that's good that you learn that you need to change. But in order to get back in the presence of God, you've got to be not only changed, but you've got to be washed. And that's repentant, and that's remission. And remission is being dipped in the living water of true remission, is being dipped in the living water of God, the living water of Christ. We showed you in the prior uh, sermons. Go back. You'll get the scriptures. They're in Jeremiah and other places uh, where Jesus is the living water. And you get dipped in that living water and something on the inside changes. Something on the inside changes. What changes? Your spirit becomes alive unto God. Becomes alive unto God. And so what they what John was doing is he was he was transitioning us, he was transitioning all of humanity from having to just be their sins just having to be covered to being able to be dipped into the living water of Christ, into the remission, into washing sin away. And so John the Baptist was a was an in between. Uh, it was an in, it was a transitional behavior, was a transitional thing. And uh, and uh, that's and that's what that is. But then we know that John said. Uh, Look at verse 16. John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh. The latchet of his shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So he, John said, yes, I'm the transitional one, but there's one coming. And the one that's coming, I'm not even worthy to carry his shoes. And, and uh, when he comes, he's not only going to baptize you uh, like I baptize you, but he's also going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So he's, Jesus is not only going to baptize with water, but he's also going to baptize with the power of the Holy Ghost, and he's going to baptize with fire. And we know, uh, um, well, let's just go look at some scriptures. Let's just look at some scriptures instead of saying we know. Let's just look at some scriptures here. Uh, let's go to, um, John four, John four. John four. Let's read verse one and two. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples. So here we see that um, the Pharisees were aware that not only was John water baptizing, but Jesus was water baptizing. And, and we know that John had a lot of disciples because, the bapti- because a lot of, there were several times that his disciples uh, came to Jesus. And, and made inquiries of Jesus on John's behalf. Uh, when when uh, John got arrested, the, his disciples came and told Jesus that uh, John had been taken prisoner. So we know that John had disciples. This word disciple, uh, we tend, again, we tend to make it a bigger thing than it, than, we tend to make it so big that we don't realize the simplicity of it. Uh, it is a big deal to be a disciple. 
It is a very big deal to be a disciple. But what, what you need to understand what a disciple is, is a disciple is simply an apprentice. It's a student of a teacher that's learning to be like the teacher. Miss Ann was an apprentice for pottery and uh, over here at the folk school. And uh, she worked with them for, uh, was it a year or two years? Three, three years. years. For three years, she was an apprentice. And for three years, she would go to the, to the, to the folk school, and she'd work 40 hours, a day, 40 hours at the folk school. Then she'd come home, and she'd do hours. And then when they had special instructors come in, she'd sit under those instructors. And what she was doing was she was learning to make pottery the way they make pottery. And it's very interesting uh, when mom does pottery and you get around other people that know potters because they'll pick up her pottery and they'll say, hey, your pottery is reminiscent of this other potter I know, and, and they'll name the potter, and she'll say, oh, yes, I sat under him and I learned under him, or I sat under her and I learned under her. She picked up different techniques and skills of her instructors and when people pick up her pottery they recognize they recognize the uniformity of her pottery that one of her instructors taught her was to be uniform in everything you do make it as make it as close to the same even though every pot is even though everyone is slightly different the, un, the overall uniform of them is the same they're all very similar uh, she learned from another instructor that you're to throw your that, that you throw thin, evenly thin. That you don't want your pottery to have a heavy weight to it. You, you know, you want to even though she's using stoneware, which is normally when you pick up those pots are normally thick and heavy and dense. You pick up her pottery, and it's like, wow, that's feather light. That reminds me of this other potter. Uh, her glaze work is very similar to another potter's work. And so what was she doing? She was picking up, she was becoming like her teachers. That's being a disciple of pottery. That's what it is. Well, just like that, we're supposed to be disciples of Christ. We're supposed to work to be like him. And, that, and so that's, and that's what they're supposed to be doing. And so but look at what Jesus said. So even though Jesus was discipling or baptizing, notice what it says. Uh, Though he himself, Jesus himself, only baptized, look at what it says, he baptized not anybody other than his disciples. Now, now some, some teachers will tell you that, there, that Jesus only had 12 disciples. But that's just simply not true. No. Jesus had many disciples. If he only had 12, then how was he then how was he baptizing more people than John? Exactly. Because remember, John was at the river every day, baptizing, baptizing every day, continuously. So how many, we know, we know that uh, when the Bible talks about uh, the multitude that followed Jesus, a multitude is 1,000 to 2,000 people on average, on average. So how many disciples did Jesus have? Because he had multitude, multitudes in every city and village that he went. So, uh, but, but there was a qualification. The qualification was you had to be his disciple. And, and why is that? Because he baptizes in living water. I'm not going to go look at this. You can go back and read it. 
Well, actually, let's go look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 okay. Corinthians chapter 12. There was a, and, and here's one of the reasons why um, he was like this. Uh, I say 12, but it's a second. I bet I wrote it down wrong. Hold on. We'll read this one. Well, we'll read this verse, but I, I want to see where I, where the other spot was. Uh, go ahead and read verse First um, Corinthians twelve, verse thirteen. All right. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Okay, notice he said, he said this. He said, uh, for by one spirit we are all what? Baptized. Baptized into what? One body. When you get water baptized, are you getting baptized into one body? You are, in a sense, water baptism. But remember, water baptism is a declaration that you're going to live for Christ. How you get baptized in the body of Christ is to be dipped in the living water of Christ. You become born again. That's what he was talking about. Is what, he wasn't talking water baptism here. He was talking, um, what he was talking about was being baptized into the new birth. Baptized into the new birth is what he was talking about. And so when we get baptized into the new birth, we come into one body. But I want you to go now go to chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Because here in, uh, in the church of Corinth, they were having a problem. They were having a serious problem here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 1. Uh, let's pick up in verse 9. All right. God is faithful. By whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now I, this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you. But Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in mine own name, and that I baptized also the household of Stephanus besides. I know not whether I baptized any other, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not the, with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect." 
So what was happening in this church is they were fighting amongst themselves as to who was better and who actually had God because of who water baptized them. Because of who water baptized them. They were saying, well, I was baptized by John. Well, I was baptized by Cephas. Well, I was baptized by Christ. And they were saying that their water baptism made them special somehow. And Paul said, listen, he said, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you because I don't want to be part of your silliness. And that same kind of stuff still goes on today. It does. Because because people still say, well, I was baptized Baptist or I was baptized Episcopalian or I was baptized Catholic. But right. that's, not the, that's not what baptism is. You were baptized by Christ. You were baptized into Christ through the new birth. Your water baptism is a declaration of what occurred at the new birth. It's not about who water baptizes you. It's about who baptized you into the living water, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Romans 10, 9. Romans 10, 9. I can't push this. I, I can't. I, I don't seem to be able to get away from this verse. Romans 10, 9. It's about, it's about being baptized, dipped in the living water of Christ. All right. Verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's what matters. The first thing that matters. In fact, Jesus said this. Unless you've received me, unless you've made the commitment to be my student, to work to become like me, I will not water baptize you. You know, there's people, you know, and every person has to deal with this on their own level, but there's some people that are like, well, I got baptized at this point, but now I, but, but, you know, oh man, I want to go to so-and-so's church so I can be baptized by prophet so-and-so. Then you don't understand baptism. Baptism is a, is a public declaration of I'm living for Christ now. I'm Christ's disciple. That's what this is. Go to Acts. And you'll, you'll, notice that, you'll notice that it says if, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the yes. Lord Jesus. It doesn't say Savior Jesus. It right. doesn't say my best friend or homie Jesus. It says Lord. Right. Let's go look at this in Acts chapter 8. So at this point, Jesus has, um, he's, he's lived on the earth. For, uh, he's lived on the earth. He's done his earthly ministry. He's died on the cross. He uh, went to hell. He ascended on high. He applied his blood to the mercy seat of God. He walked on the earth uh, in a immortal, glorified state uh, for 40 days, doing many miracles. And then he told his disciples, all of them that were there, to go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Ghost, and only 120 were obedient. There were more than 120 when he ascended, but only 120 were obedient to go to Jerusalem and wait in the upper room. And so the 120 went and waited in the upper room to receive the promise, <laughs> to receive the promise of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I said go to Acts 8, but let's go to Acts 1. 
Acts 1. Oh, my goodness. Look at verse 22. Beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us in his resurrection. So what they were doing, Judas had died, Judas had hung himself, and they were picking a new, uh, a new disciple. And one of the qualifications was uh, that they needed to be following Jesus. They needed to have followed Jesus from the be uh, beginning from the baptism of John. In other words, they had to have personal firsthand knowledge that Jesus was baptized. Now, does that mean that they were there? No, but they had to have had word that Jesus was baptized. But notice it says, from the beginning of the baptism of John, talking about they were, they were looking for the Messiah, onto the same day that he was taken up from us. They were looking for a disciple at this time, because these, these particular 12 disciples were going to be the disciples that were going to start the church that we, that we are in today. And that was the reason. But notice that they made a distinction that, that Jesus' walk mattered from his water baptism. Why? Because Jesus did no ministry. He preached no sermons. He laid hands on no sick people. He did no miracles. He did nothing until he got into the flow of the move of God of that day. He, Jesus, first had to be water baptized. And then he had to have the Holy Spirit descend upon him in the fullness. Now, Jesus was working under the Old Testament. We're working under the New Testament. So now we must get into the flow of God in this dispensation, which means, number one, we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Number two, we can, do a, we can get water baptized, which is a public declaration of I'm living for Christ. Number three is we need the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Jesus had the Holy Ghost in the full measure on him. We need a measure of the Holy Ghost in us with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Okay? Now, I want you to go over here to look at uh, verse 4. Well, let's pick up in verse 3. All right. To whom also he showed himself... Well, back up to verse 2. Okay. Until the day in, in which he was taken up, after that he, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. By the Holy Ghost, Jesus gave a commandment. What was the commandment? To whom he had showed himself alive after his passion, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, some people teach that when you are born again, you receive the Holy Ghost and all the Holy Ghost you will ever need. That statement is not completely true. 
Yes, you receive the Holy Ghost in a measure at the new birth. Yes, you do. You have that inner witness. But you do not receive the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. How is that so? Because look at what he said. He said, John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost many, not many days hence. But he was speaking to his disciples. He was speaking to those that had already made Jesus Lord. He was speaking to those that were already water baptized. So this tells us that there's another baptism available or another baptism is about to be available. That's the baptism of what Jesus called the Holy Ghost. Let's keep reading just a little bit more. Verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? See, they were, they were, and we have this problem today, so we can't get down, we can't get on them. We can't, we can't harp and get upset with the Jews because we have this problem today. They were thinking natural. They were thinking natural. They were expecting Jesus to ride in with a great army and take Rome down. And they knew that Jesus was the Messiah, but he was not doing what he thought they should be doing the way they thought they should be doing it. And so they were still, so they were going, Jesus when are you and the Father coming with the army to take Rome out? And he, Now listen, at this point, you should be scratching your head thinking, maybe I'm not thinking about this thing right. Because I watched Jesus be whipped to the point that would have killed any ordinary man. And then he carried the cross. And then he got nailed to that thing and lived for another six hours. And he was pierced in the side. I saw him dead. And I saw them take his body down and take it to the tomb, and they put a rock in front of the tomb, and they sealed it. And and we wept for three days and three nights. We wept. And then that morning, the women went to go anoint him with with the death burial oils and all that. And when they got there, uh, the shroud that he was wrapped in, the burial linen that he was wrapped in, was folded neatly on the table that they laid him, which meant he was coming back, according to Jewish custom. Did you know that? When you get up from the table, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're coming back, like you get up and you go to the restroom, did you not? Do you know that you're supposed to fold your napkin and set it at your place so that the servers know you're coming back to your plate? Yeah, and when you're done, you don't fold it. That's how they know you're finished. So it meant something when he folded the shroud. It meant he was coming back. He wasn't completely done. He wasn't done. And so Jesus appeared to the women, the women, the women, the women. Come on, the women. And he said, women, go tell the men. Go preach. Go, go, go explain it to the men. But you know what? The men didn't believe the women. So God had to get a man, and he sent the man, and guess what? They didn't believe the man either. They didn't believe the man either. Thomas so, didn't anyways. <laughs> right, and Thomas really didn't. Thomas said, uh, until I stick my hand in his, in my, my finger in his, whole, in his hands and in his side, listen, I don't want to put my fingers in anybody's side. <laughs> but Thomas was like, 
I'm a, Thomas said, God, I, I, I want to believe, but I'm a tangible person. I and I have said that. to believe it. And I have said that. But not only, did they, not only did they see all of that, but then they've seen Jesus walking around on the earth for 40 days, walking through, listen to me, walking through a wall, sitting down and eating fish and drinking, uh, not wine, but juice with them and talking with them. And then he'd get up and he'd walk out the, and he'd walk out the wall. Not out the door, out the wall. Now, at this point, you would think, hmm. They might have a little faith by that. <laughs> maybe I need to be thinking about this a little different. Maybe I need to start thinking about this from the spiritual standpoint. But they didn't do that. They sat there with Jesus and said, well, Jesus, when are you coming with the army? When are you taking Rome down? And look at what Jesus does. Jesus acts like they didn't even answer. Jesus completely ignores them for the most part. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the Father has put in his own power. He said, Now here's the deal. Jesus couldn't have answered the question if he wanted to, because only God knows. Because Jesus tells us everything. Jesus told us God's entire plan. So he didn't know. He said, it's not for you to know. It's not for me to know. He said, but what's important, people, is this. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And, and ye shall know, or and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You cannot be the fisher of men that God called you to be without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You can't. You cannot be. Because you cannot operate in the power of God without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You've got to have the Holy Ghost power to operate in this thing. You And listen to me. When God calls you to do something, it's not you doing it. You need to get that through your thick head. You've got to get this through your thick head. Is not you doing the work. Listen to me, young ladies. Is not you. You need to understand this. It's not you. It's not your power. It's not your might. It's not your ability. It's not you, Derek. It's God in you. It's God in you. You're not in the job that you're in because you are something special. You're in the job that you're in because you've got something special. That's why you're there. It's because you've got the Holy One. You've got the great physician on the inside. And the great physician knows who he's been working with. So you're not working, oh, a Holy Ghost. You don't work for Erlanger, honey. Amen. You work for the great physician. Amen. And so you need to get up every morning and you need to say, okay, God, well, I'm working for you this morning. You are the great physician. Let's go get somebody healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. Um, Miss Kathy, she's, listen, she does, she goes to school every year. Do y'all know that? She has to do continuing education, hours and hours and hours of it, to keep up her certifications and her certificates and all of this. And she's been a doctor for quite some time now. But she still has to keep all of this up. But here's the deal. She herself will tell you she heals no one. She herself doesn't heal them. Her Father God uses her to bring health and healing to people. Amen. Health and healing. See, we have to understand this. God said, Jesus said, listen, people. He said, you're not going to be able to do what I've called you to do, what the Father's called you to do, until you receive power from on high. 
What power is that? That's the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, I said all that. I'm trying to get over here. Lord Jesus, I'm trying to get to Acts chapter 8. Let's try there. Because I'm trying to show you water baptism. And the Lord's like, no, no, let's move on to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So let's read Acts chapter 8. There's some things in here we need to see. You want to start? Yes, verse let's one? start right here. All right. And Saul was consenting unto his death. Talking about uh, Stephen. Stephen. Stephen baptized in the Holy Ghost. You know what, Stephen? Stephen was not a fivefold minister. Stephen did not stand in the pulpit. You know what Stephen's job was? Stephen's job was to care for the biblical widows in their church. Biblical widows. These were the widows, men and women, widows, widowers, of the age of 65 or older, who had no means of support. They had no one to help them. They had no retirement account. They had no family. They had no children. They had no nieces or nephews. And not only did they not have anyone, but they were servants of God. They weren't just sinners off the street. These were people that had served God, who had been hospitable to God, who had gone to the, who, who made, it their, uh, made it their daily affair to go to the church and pray. This is, who Stephen, this is who Stephen was assigned to take care of. That was his job, was, was to give them food and finances and clothes so that they could live in that day. That was Stephen's job. And in his job, he had many signs, wonders, and miracles that followed him. How much you know he was praying for these widows to be healthy? He was praying for these widows to not be grabbed by the spirit of grief. He was praying for these widows to be supernaturally sustained. And they were and God was doing it. And he was and he was preaching and he was he was he was building these widows up and, and uh, the Sadducees and the Pharisees didn't like it and didn't like that these miracles were coming. And so they came to accuse him and to take him to jail. And he began to preach under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And he was preaching with such fervency that his face appeared as that of an angel. And they got so mad and so offended and so angry that they stoned him to death. And while he's laying on the ground with his face shining as that of an angel being stoned, God opens up the heavens and allows him to see there is the Lord Jesus standing before his throne, giving Stephen a standing ovation for his, for his unwillingness to quit on God, for his faithfulness. And he, the only reason he was able to sustain and be faithful was because of the Holy Ghost in him. And there was Saul, who we later know as Paul. And there was Saul, and Saul was holding their coats and approved of how they were treating Stephen. That's how this chapter starts. All right. And Paul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So all the, all the disciples were scattered were abroad scattered. and running in, in fear, except the, the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentations over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men 
and women committed, uh, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. When Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them, or then Philip went down and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. That's demons. And many taken with palsies that were paralyzed, that were paralyzed, that were lame, were healed. And there was great joy in that city. What did the disciples do? I mean, we just heard what Stephen was doing. Look at what Philip's doing. Philip's casting demons out. Philip's healing the paralyzed. He's healing the, the people that are sick and lamed and limps and having all these issues. He's healing. How are they able to do this? With the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Being yep. baptized in the in the things of God. Oh, and people were so joyful. Listen, when you get somebody healed, there's joy. If you've never prayed for somebody to get healed, I highly encourage you. Build your face up on healing. Go knowing. Go knowing. Listen, I laid hands on Brother Stephen. I'm telling you, he got his miracle. I'm standing in faith that he got his miracle. And it's not on his faith. It's on my faith. Because I know that my God is true. And I know that my God is the healer. And I know that there's nothing too hard for my God. And I know that if there needs to be an organ created, he'll create it. And I know that if there's bones, that, if there's muscles that need to be sewed back together, he'll sew them back together. And if there's organs that need to be replaced, he'll replace them. Why? Because my God is the healer. And I know it. And he said, if you'll receive healing... Those that you lay hands on will recover. So I know that he will recover because God promised it. But I believe for the instant recovery because I want to give God every opportunity to show up and show out. To show up and show out. Man, I guarantee you. I guarantee you. There will be great joy in the house. Woo! When the testimony comes in. There was great joy in the house when Miss Deborah came in and said, I don't have glaucoma anymore. The doctors don't understand it. They keep checking me and they keep being astonished. Well, they'll catch up someday. They'll catch up with her someday. Just like that sweet little girl who was given a pacemaker at, at just a few weeks old, given a pacemaker, told she'd have the pacemaker all the days of her life. And we prayed and we stood on the word of God for years. And we said, no, her heart beats to the rhythm of light. That pacemaker's coming out. God's healed her heart. She doesn't need it anymore. And that and, and, and they had it set where it beat for her because she was missing. Listen to me. This young lady was missing the nerve in her heart that told her heart when to beat. That's her doctor. I'm telling you the truth. That's why they had to have that pacemaker put in there. And God supernaturally caused her heart to beat ahead of the pacemaker. To the point that they had to turn the pacemaker down to where it would only beat if her heart didn't beat because her heart was beating twice because of the pacemaker. So then they turned it to where it would only, it would only beat in the case of need. Well, guess what happened? The battery died. It's not being used, and the battery died. 
And they kept bringing in different machines going, there's something wrong with our machine. And I just kept saying, that, that, I just kept standing with your parents. We all kept standing with your parents. We kept saying, that pacemaker's coming out. That pacemaker's coming out. They're going to take that pacemaker out. Well, that young lady, for the longest time, she said, I've had this thing my whole life. I don't, because you could see it under her skin. And, you, and she said, I've had this thing my whole life. I don't know if I'm ready for it to come out. But I'm telling you what, when she finally said, I'm ready for it to come out, it came out in less than a year's time. Came out in less than a year's time. I have held her pacemaker in my hand while she stood before me and talked and functioned and jumped around like a crazy teenager would and never had a heart problem in her life. God is the healer. Amen. I don't care how, how long it takes. He is the healer. Glory to God. And boy, oh boy, was there joy in the city that day. Glory to God. Come on. All right. Going on? I didn't know this was going to be healing service. Come on. Okay. <laughs> but there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed. This man, this man was using power of devils and demons. Satan has power to a degree. Satan, somebody operating by familiar spirits, by devils and demons, has power to a degree. But our God has a greater power. And he, and this sorcerer, this is how he made his money, was fortune-telling and, and cursing people and doing potions and lotions and things. He said, okay. he recognized that what Philip had was greater and better. Keep reading. To whom they all gave heed, for the least, uh, from the least to the greatest, saying, "This man is the great power of God." Not God, but this man is the power of God. <laughs> this demon-controlled man, sorcerer, witchcraft, black magic doctor, whatever you want to call him today, who was being used by devils, stood up and said, "That man's God is greater." That man's God is greater. Keep going. And to him they had regard, because of that of the long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. It says, but when they what? When they believed, believed what? Philip. Philip's what? Preaching. Did it say they believed in Philip's dunking them in the water? No. It says preaching, preaching, preaching. What were they baptized? They were baptized in the living water of Christ. They received Christ. That's what they were baptized in. In both men and women. That's right. It's one of the few times the Bible says both. That's right. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized... He continued with Philip and wondered, uh, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now, when the, so so the man that was had familiar spirits got baptized and started believing and started following Philip. All right, and when the, and and beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that. Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. 
So first, Philip gets him born again, baptized in the Holy Ghost. First he gets him baptized, I mean baptized into the, sorry, I said that wrong. First Philip comes and gets them baptized into the body of Christ. He gets them saved. He gets them baptized in the living water of God. Then, here come Peter and John. Is it Peter and John? Peter and John. Peter, here come Peter and John. And Peter and John say, uh, have you been baptized in the Holy Ghost yet? Notice they're, they're asking. In other words, they said, have you received? Now listen. If you received all the Holy Ghost you're going to get when you get born again, why are they asking, have you received the Holy Ghost? True. Let's keep going. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them in the Holy Ghost. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. He offered them money to lay hands on him. Simon didn't get it. Simon didn't get it. Simon thought that this was like the power of the devils and the demons and that this was something you could buy. Simon did not get that the Holy Spirit, that what was being done was being done by the power of God. He said, Give me money. Here, I'll give you money. You can't, you can't, listen. You can't buy God. Listen, you can't buy God. Listen to me. You can't go, oh, you can't go to a school and learn some, sit in some classes and say, now, you're anointed, appointed, thy prophet. <laughs> you can't go to school. You can't go to a class and go, now, you're anointed, thy apostle of God, pastor of God. No, you've got to get it from the Father. You can't get it from man. Let's keep reading. Saying, give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter. For thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So here they said, uh, you don't have God. You don't understand God. You don't commit God. What had he done? He had mentally assented to the Lord Jesus. He had mentally assented. And he said, oh, I, I misunderstood this thing. Help me. Now, it does, I believe that Peter and John then took him aside and sat him down and began to teach him some things and began to help him. I believe they probably got him set free from the demons that he had operated under. It doesn't give us these specifics. But what God, the point that God wanted us to get from this is you can't buy the Holy Ghost. No. You can't buy the power of God. It only comes as God wills it to come. But let's keep going. All right. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of, the, of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under uh, Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, 
who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. He was returning and sitting on his chariot, uh, or was returning and sitting in his chariot read Isaiah the prophet. So he's reading the scroll of Isaiah the prophet. Yes. When the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to his chariot, or this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, also opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Yes, the eunuch asked. The eunuch was reading the gospel. He was reading, he was reading about Jesus. And here Philip came. And Philip, he, he, notice he's, he's on a road that people are traveling. He's on this road that people are traveling. And he said, and, and, and they're talking about the gospel. They're in a public place. And, and, he, and he preaches Jesus to them. And he said, what do I have to do to be baptized? And what is Philip telling? Well, hang on. <laughs> hang on. So, oh, I go finish verse 36. I'm sorry. Well, hang on. So notice that Philip used the exact same scripture that the eunuch had just read. Only he, he preached Jesus using that scripture. If you go back to the scripture that he read and think of Jesus, the place of the scripture which he read was this. What verse are you in? Verse 32. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So he used this scripture that Isaiah, from the scroll of Isaiah to preach Jesus. Yeah. And that's, that's just like we say, that, that you can't, uh, that, that most of the, old, the, the New Testament is preached from the Old Testament. Absolutely. So you can't do away with the Old Testament. Absolutely not. All right. So verse 36, right? Mm -hmm. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? In other words, he said, he said well, can I not be water baptized? He was asking Philip, what must come first? What must come first? And then what is the answer? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Glory to God. Glory to God. So he said... He, he answered, the, the, the eunuch said, I believe that Jesus Christ is what? The Son of God. The Son of God. In other words, he said, I believe he's Lord. I believe he's Lord. And Philip said, sure, let's do it. Let's watch what happens. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. 
And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at uh, Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Glory to God. Come back here, Bible. Glory to God. So we can see in the book of Acts, all through, I've got to wind this up today. Uh, we can see all through the book of Acts that there's water baptism. You go in there, you find out that Cornelius and his family were water baptized. You find out that Lyd Lydia um, that worked with the purple fabric, uh, that she was water baptized. She was actually born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, and then water baptized. Uh, so you go through the book of Acts and you'll see this over and over and over and over. Uh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is available simply by asking. Go to um, John 11, I believe it is. John 11. said John it might be hold on might be Mark huh or Luke <laughs> I'm sorry Luke 11 go to Luke 11 Luke 11 and uh here, the disciples were asking Jesus to teach them how to pray. They, were te they, they asked Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And, and uh, it's amazing to me, we all know, he said uh, in verse 2, When we pray, say, Our Father, which is art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we all know this verse. We all know this prayer. Um, the only problem is, is this is not actually a prayer. It's actually a blueprint to prayer. It's a blueprint to prayer. But very rarely do people pay attention to the rest of what Jesus said. Because remember, they asked them, how do we pray? And look at verse 5, and it says, And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is it in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he, and he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. How much you know, if you get in the bed and you get all cuddled up and you get snug and somebody comes rapping at your door, you are not being, you're not feeling very friendly in the moment. You're like, what do you want? Here, take it, go away, leave me alone, I'm going back to bed. You're helping them not because they're your friend, you're helping them because your bed is calling. And that's what the Father said. That's what he said. Keep reading. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh, receiveth. 
And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts, Go ahead and finish that little portion right up there to the... Unto your children. Okay. If you being evil, he's not talking about if you're a mean human. What he's talking about is if you are corrupted of the flesh. If you have a sinful flesh. If you, if you have this, you know, you're not always kind. You're not always generous. Basically, uh, Satan kind of rules and operates in your life is what he's talking about. If you who do not have God, if you who do not have God, because remember, uh, God said those that, uh, those that are not with me are against me for, uh, you know, because there's enmity between me and, and the world. So that's what he's talking about. And, and he, remember, keep this in context. He's talking about prayer. He's talking about prayer. So often we stop this teaching right here and we say, see, if you'll just knock, God will answer the door. If you'll just ask God, God will give it to you. And there is a truth to that. But let's keep it in context and let's finish what the Father God said here. Because notice there's a colon. There's a colon, which means he's not done talking. So let's find out. So if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? He's talking about because they asked how to pray. He gave them the blueprint and how to pray in their native language. And then he said, you also need to be able to pray in the Holy Ghost. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to end on this one right here. Actually, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Because 13 is the love chapter. Mm -hmm. Where did my Corinthians go? They're right there. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Follow after charity. Which means love. And, love. and desire spiritual gifts. But rather that ye may prophesy. Let's keep prophesy. Let's keep going. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. When you speak in an unknown tongue, that word unknown is a that word unknown is an incredible word. That word means a, when you speak in a language that is not taught to you, but given to you by a supernatural power. That's what that word unknown means. Some, it's a language that is not taught, but by, that is given to you by a supernatural power. Supernatural power. Uh, that when you do that, you are speaking not to men, but to God. Jesus said you need two types of prayer. You need to pray according to this blueprint. You need to pray according to this blueprint. Number one, get my attention. Father, 
you know, go through it. Get his attention. Give him praise. Give him worship. Thanking. Thanking. Ask for, ask for, ask for, uh, ask for the needs of people around you. Ask that the Lord provide your needs. Put other people first. Then ask the Lord to provide your needs. Forgive and then praise. He gave us a blueprint as how we're supposed to pray in our known tongue. And then he said, oh, and by the way, you need to pray in the Holy Ghost. You need to pray in the Holy Ghost. And for when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're praying unto me. Go to Jude. I said last scripture, but I was wrong. Jude. Yep, right before Revelations. It's one chapter. Jude, verse 20. Jude, verse 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, I didn't get to get into that when you, when you pray, in the, that, that you've got to go through the book of Acts. You'll see it all through the book of Acts. Uh, that when you receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost, you get the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I don't have time to get into all of that this week. We'll talk about that not next week because the Keatons will be here. But if they don't talk about it, because a lot of times they do, if they don't talk about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then we'll explain tongues the following Sunday. Okay? Uh, the Keatons are coming, and, and I want you to get the most out of these meetings as you can. I do know that uh, the Curtises and Miss Liv will not be here Friday night because Miss Liv will be graduating. She will be walking. Uh, and so Miss Liv, normally Pastor Mike and I would be there, but we have to be here because we have guest ministers. But just know our love and our prayers are with you. Amen. And we honor you for, for graduating. Yes. And Brianna is a junior marshal, so she'll be ushering them in uh, into their ceremony. And, and, of course, that's a big deal, and that she's, that's an honor that she's worked very hard for. Uh, so, of course, mom and dad won't be here. But the rest of you, you need to be here. They have an excuse. They have a, you're, you're, you're allowed to miss. The rest of you need to be here. You do not want to miss the Keatons. They're very gifted. Yes, they're just people just like Pastor Mike and I, but they've got years and years of experience. Uh, miss Angela was a teacher. It was an instructor at Rama uh, in Bible interpretation. She's very, very good. She's very gifted. She knows the Holy Ghost extremely well. We've got a book out here called Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. She's the ghostwriter on that book. She took all of Dad Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen's notes, tapes, when he preached those sermons, took all of his study notes and everything, and she put it all together in a book. Two other people had done it prior to her, and both people, Dad Hagen told both people, that does not sound like me. We will not print that. She had just a couple of weeks to put that book together. He read it, and he said, yeah, that sounds just like me, and they printed it. Uh, so she does know and understand the things of God. Uh, Brother Larry, uh, he knows and understands the things of God. He's very anointed in the Holy Ghost. They both flow with healing, giftings of healings. But here's the deal. If you just come and go, well, it's church as usual, you're not going to get a lot. No. Come expecting. If you have questions from God, tell God, God, I want this, this, and this answer. If you have if you have a need that, that you know, you, you need, like, I... I don't understand the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Pray about it. They'll, God will use them to put it in terms that you can understand. Uh, they've been able to get people baptized in the Holy Ghost that have been tarrying for the Lord for, 
I don't know, 25 and 30 years. And they've been able to teach it in a manner that they were able to receive it. Uh, they've had, they had one person who needed a new heart, that needed a heart transplant. They prayed over them. They went back, got checked out, and they said, man, you've got the heart of a teenager. They had somebody that needed, uh, that had cataracts. The cataracts dissolved. Uh, they had somebody that had an issue with ligaments, and the ligaments were, with, were restored. Um, God's been using them with COVID lately. And they've just come, and they've just come back from the Czech Republic and Poland. So they're going to be on fire. So come expecting. We don't have extended meetings very often. So I know it's a holiday weekend. I know there's stuff going on. It was the weekend that they were available. But plan to be here. God wills to sustain you. Come with an expectation. Come with your spiritual antenna up. And here's the deal. And I need you to know this about the Keatons. Uh, they have a very strict rule, and we, we love it and we honor it greatly. We do not talk to them about the church or the people in the church. We do not. So if they say anything and you're like, man, my pastor must have told them that, we didn't tell them a thing. We did not tell them a thing. And remember, for those of you <coughs> like the Curtises that can't be here, yes, we are still online. You can watch the services later. Or, 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 or even live if you happen to be someplace where you can do that. Yep. Uh, so please do that, and that will catch you back up for when you can be here. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's ties and then, oh. And then if, if, you're, if you're like the disciples were uh, when it, they were talking to Jesus after his resurrection, and you want to know what the, end, the expected end is for the Israelites, then come on Wednesday night because we're teaching out of the book of Revelations. Yes. Yes. And it's getting kind of deep, but we're getting there. All right. You want to pray over the tithe and offering? Sure. Lord, we thank you for this uh, word. We thank you that it will grow and bear fruit in our lives and, it'll, and, and in, the, in the lives of those that we come in contact with. Because we will share your word, Lord. We, we know that you have called us to, to preach your word and your gospel and your good news unto, unto everyone. And we will share it with those that, that we come in contact with. And we thank you, Lord, for sharing it with us and, and, and showing us who we are and, and how we get to where we can share that with others. Lord, we just love you and we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you that you're always there for us and that you always provide for us and that you have made a way for us. Lord, we thank you that you gave your son for us that we might not perish. And Lord, we just... We just want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we give into your kingdom, pressed down, shaken together, and running over so that your work might be done here on earth. And we ask that you bless us, and we know that you will bless us for, for our giving because we give with a joyful heart. We give because we love you, and we want to see that work done. We ask that you bless us that we might be a bigger blessing. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Satan, take your hands off the increase. Cause the increase, to release it and let it go. Angels, go get the increase. Cause it to come in. Cause favor everywhere we go. We'll have prayer tonight at 5, Brother Richard. We'll be here at 5. We're not cutting it short. It's not a holiday. Bless his heart. He got here early last week. 